Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Black Teacher Matters, the podcast about what matters to black teachers. Here's your host, Abdel Shakur. Picture this. You're standing at the front of class, reviewing for tomorrow's big test. It's a warm spring day. Kids are fidgety. Windows open. Birds chirping. Clock ticking. The failure or success of these children depends on you delivering this material at this moment. But at the height of your lesson, suddenly, and without warning, a bee buzzes in through the window. Lemon yellow, fuzzy like a tiny flying bear, it smacks drunkenly against the overhead lights. You force a smile, but before you can respond, a girl in back yells, Nuh-uh! her fists windmilling the air. She tumbles back over a desk. The bee travels a low, wide circuit around the room. That bee big as hell, a boy in back house. You raise your hands to calm everyone. But kids are leaping on desks, crouching under tables, running out the door. The class now belongs to the bee in chaos. This scenario captures a lot of my teaching experience lately. Whether it was the pandemic, or Zoom teaching, or racial injustice, or violence in our politics, in our community, chaotic things keep buzzing into my class, forcing me to lose my plan, forcing me to be more present, forcing me to reckon with the real and immediate. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. Maybe how we deal with these bees is the real lesson for us and for our children. So let's call this exploration Be in the Classroom. You're going to hear from Ross Gay, Alex Pate, Bill Jeter, and Alan Miller. They got some Be in the Classroom tips that you need to hear. But of course, first, I got a story to tell. My be in the classroom story happened on December 16, 2021. I'm with my ninth graders at Evanston Township High School. We're at the end of the longest first semester in academic history. Only a week from the break, but I'm on edge. I swear every class I have has a child who's sick. I'm steady telling people to put their masks back on. And every time I look at the COVID dashboard at my school, all I can think of is exponential growth. And I don't want COVID, especially not before the break. So it's nine in the morning, middle of December, and I got all my windows open. I don't even close the windows on my Chromebook. Kids come in shivering. Mr. Shakur, can we close the... No! We had just finished The Raisin in the Sun, Lorraine Hansberry's play about learning to love in the face of tragedy. The students were leading a discussion that day to show what they learned. They had compiled notes wrote questions, picked sections to discuss. I set up a small circle of desks and let the first group of kids know they should join me. Books are out, pencils are sharpened, notes are ready. And then the superintendent comes on the intercom. There's an emergency. School needs to go into full lockdown. This is not a drill. This is for real. Now, about two weeks before, Five teenagers were shot a couple miles from our school. 
one died. At that moment, my students looked at me nervously. Well, here we go, I said. I grabbed my keys, headed to the door. The kids scrambled under desks away from the windows. I turned off the lights. I locked the door and tried the handle. A couple of kids helped me push desks up against it. Then there was a knock. It was Pete, a frequent flyer to the bathroom. He came in relieved and red-faced. No one spoke. No one joked. We waited. I was in training the previous summer, and a veteran teacher shared the two things she told students about her class on the first day of school. Number one, every day they would learn a new word. Number two, if anyone ever came to harm a child, they would have to go through her first. Now, I ain't no hero, y'all, but that line buzzed in that quiet room as I sat between the door and my students. I have a confession to make. I am the owner of a flip phone. More accurately, the dumbest flip phone I could get. Just calls and texts, no bells, no whistles, no internet. My students used to tease me about it, but now I just get confusion, disbelief, pity. What is that, Mr. Shakur? What? Why? Is everything okay? They worry for me, like maybe I've given up, like maybe they should refer me to a counselor. Now, my wife accuses me of loving the role. She thinks I like playing the Luddite martyr, preaching the value of uninterrupted attention, about how a flip phone keeps me more connected to the moment, about how it pushes me to be more present even when things are uncomfortable, about how my phone is never more engaging than my kids. Now, virtue signaling aside, a flip phone is not the jam during a lockdown. As I'm sitting on the floor wondering what the hell is going on, one of my colleagues texts me to see if I'm okay. She's at home, but saw something on Twitter. What's on Twitter, I ask. She texts me a link. I respond with a frowny face. You know I got a flip. She writes, sorry, LOL. Looks like multiple guns have been found in the school. I looked up and saw students scrolling through their feeds. Some are not in disbelief. Others are sharing glances under their masks. Pete shows me his phone. There's pictures of police surrounding the school. There's a helicopter overhead. Suspects in custody. Search ongoing. There's a video of officers entering a class, guns drawn, to remove a student in a ski mask. This is for real real. I nod and hand the phone back. I take a couple deep breaths and scribble a note to the class. It's going to be okay. I had no idea whether this sentiment was true, but what else can you say? As scary as it was, the moment had clarity. Never had I been in a class with such a clear purpose. Keep us safe. And the students got it too. They held it together under the desks, some holding hands, some leaning on each other. Even in a class that sometimes broke into clicks, everyone was together. After a while, the superintendent came back on over the intercom. The situation was under control. Weapons had been found, but the threat had been contained. We needed to be patient and remain sheltered. We all cheered. He said, hopefully it would not be too much longer. <laughs> <laughs>
before we could give the all clear. It had been two hours of sheltering when a more immediate threat emerged in my classroom. I had to go to the bathroom. And I was not the only one. My ninth graders were squirming and looking at the door. Our school was one of the largest in the country, and they were searching class by class before they could give the all clear. I had no idea how long it would take, but in a tense situation, we couldn't be running through the hallways to go to the bathroom. Pete and I started strategizing. He said, you got any sheets, Mr. Shakur? I'm not sure why. Maybe we can make a curtain over the trash can. As attractive as the idea may have seemed, uh, I see, saw a few problems. Number one, freely peeing in the trash seemed too much like a guy-centered solution to our community's problem. Number two, I didn't have a sheet. Uh, number three, no way was I urinating in front of my class. I was one viral TikTok post from never being able to show my face in education again. With my luck, the all clear would be given right after I got done. My kingdom for a pair depends. I was about 15 minutes from being the old man from Squid Games when they announced everyone could go home. When I say I rejoice, Later, we learned what happened. That semester, it was a daily occurrence to see crowds of boys in the bathrooms. Now, I hate to accuse anyone of vaping, but never in my life have I seen the stall so popular. I regularly chase kids to class, but every day they return. Apparently, the morning of the lockdown, a group of boys got caught up in the bathroom. Someone had a bunch of weed. Someone had guns. They were loaded guns. This is at 9.30 in the morning, mind you. Now, as scary as it was, this wasn't the threat I pictured when I was huddled in my class. Now, there are no good reasons to have guns at school, but according to news reports, the kids said they felt they needed them after the shooting a few weeks prior. It made me think back to what my class was like the day after that shooting. It was like teaching in two different worlds. Some students were falling apart, either sobbing or completely stoic because family and close friends had been shot, killed. Some students felt bad, but the violence didn't touch them. And others were completely oblivious. And that didn't break down completely along the lines of black and white, rich and poor, but it was close. And I'll take it further. I would be willing to bet that a good number of the children closest to that violence know what it's like to be treated like a bee in a classroom, like a pest, a menace, a threat to be contained or expelled or squashed. Collectively, our school was terrorized by the prospect of violence coming into our classrooms. But we do ourselves a disservice by not seeing that it was there all along. Four-hour lockdown is one thing. But what do you actually do when you hear that buzzing, stinging sound coming through your window? I've been a little obsessed with this question lately, so I put it to my experts. And here's a sample, starting with my Uncle Bill, who says that a bee in the classroom is an opportunity to let go. 
Okay, so you're teaching your lesson. Maybe it's spring or summer or whatever. And the windows are open. A bee comes in or a wasp or a hornet or something that's like just a totally disruptive force to, <laughs> to the learning. So it changes from a learning situation to a bee situation. And the way that I would, I react to it has a lot to say about like, I think it has a lot to say about the way that I, I see the world, you know, and how, and what we're actually doing in this space as we're kind of together. And so I guess I just wonder, like, first of all, if B comes in your class, what do you, what's your, what's your, what, what do you do? Well, first of all, I'm not afraid of bees. Uh, first thing I'm gonna take into is that there's a lot of folks in here that's afraid of bees. Some of them are crazy afraid. I've seen a woman jump out of her car one time with her kids in the car and the car was still rolling. And finally, she got the car. She was able to jump back in because it was rolling and put the brake on. And I said, well, what's what happened? And she said, there's a bee in the car. And I look in the back and there's two kids in the car. But she was so afraid until she jumped out. The bee is the guest now. The bee is the, is, is the lead. It's going to take charge. There's nothing you can really do about that. The bee is going to be there. So now we have to kind of uh, figure out how to entertain with the bee there. You know, uh, hopefully, if I, if I, my, my gut says, I hope it stings somebody. Then we can get it over with. And I can take care of that one person and all the attention will then go to them. And then it'll be over with. So-and-so got stung by the bee. The bee's, you know, Mr. G killed it. And now it's done. But usually that's not going to happen. It's going to fly around. It's going to be on the ceiling. And that's going to be the thing. The bee has to have some space. We're going to have to entertain the bee now for a good, you know, hopefully if it's another 10 minutes left in the class, I know that's the end of the day. We're going to be dealing with this bee. Whatever I have to say is going to be marginalized. I'm going to have to repeat it anyway. So we're going to have to, oh, look, at, look, at what kind of bee is that? And then maybe you try to get into that. Well, it's not really a bee. It's a wasp. Well, well what do wasps do? Well, you know, a wasp can sting you many times, but a, a honeybee can only sting you once. And But you have to know some facts about bees to do that. What you're saying is that when there's a disruptive force, how do you get back in? I don't know. Sometimes the disruptive force is going to come to become the, the primary thing. It's just going to be. Ross Gay shared that he tries to make friends with honeybees in his classroom. I mean, if, yeah, if I was with people who were like, not just relaxed about it, mm -hmm. I would definitely want to like, I was sort of imagining it. Cause I can imagine, you know, like, you know, people get scared about bees. Mm -hmm. And if it felt like, I think my inclination would be to sort of like, go meet the bee and try to like, you know, I'd probably be like wanting to model meeting the bee. Right. <laughs> and like very gently, like sort of, like if it's a honeybee, like there's a good chance that I'd be trying to get the honeybee to land on me. Mm. And then, you know, um, escort that bee, you know, out the window. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So how's it go when you do it? <laughs> I don't know. You know, because I, I always kind of like, um, I I don't know. I don't want to kill the bee. Yeah. You know, so I guess that's my kind of natural like thing is I don't want to kill the bee. Yeah. I feel like it's it's like fear entering the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like what do we do when we kind of it's a very visceral entrance. Yeah. And what do we do as a community when that enters, you know? And for some people it's like get the hell out because yeah, <laughs> I'm allergic yeah. and I can die <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know and other people are like get this shoe you know like <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah yeah you know other people are yeah ah! and i guess i'm working with high schoolers too so it's, it's a little yeah, you know yeah. college maybe it's people trying to keep it together but yeah yeah um so i guess i'm trying to i guess i'm trying to to 
I think my my inclination is to be all philosophical about it, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in fact because I know that, and I've been in that space where people you know, a bead or something comes in, and you know, just people get scared. Um, I think my inclination is to actually like um, is to like you know, and I'm I'm thinking about it as you're telling it. Like, what am I actually doing when I like? As I think that, and I think it's about what I would do. I think I'm probably modeling something, but I think I would also want to be like taking into account the fact that some people are allergic to bees. So they, they, it probably makes sense for them to sort of gently not be in the, in the way of the bee. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd also kind of be like, well, the bees not like coming to, you know, <laughs> the bees just kind of came in the window. The bees not coming for you. Mm -hmm. um, and also I get it. Like, you have your EpiPen, you know? <laughs> but like, yeah, because it does feel like, you know, you probably see it with kids, your kids, whatever. Like when you're not afraid of a of a bee, they're not inclined to be afraid of a bee. I think. They're kind of like, oh, you know, and when they get stung by a bee, like it's a little different, <laughs> you know. Then you probably have some other kind of work to do. You want to know how to deputize a bee wrangler in your class? Talk to the author and education leader, Alex Pate. No, I'm the kind of, I mean, so I, I don't know what, this is a really interesting litmus, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm, I'm really curious about what the right way to uh, handle this is because I'm not like, I'm much more like, okay, everything stop now. Somebody, mm -hmm. I'm designating somebody to get the bee out the room. I don't care mm -hmm. how you get it, but that's what your job is, is you're not afraid then either shoo the bee out or kill the bee or trap the bee or do get the bee out the door so we can move on. I can't deal with, I can't deal with uh, chaos in that mm -hmm. sense, right? So calm down first, like you said, um, but I'm not letting the bee fly around like it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm not completely comfortable with that space. So no, I, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the, the person who jumps up who is brave Mm -hmm. and say take care to be mm -hmm. and, and we'll wait until you do that and then we'll continue our conversation calmly right on so like empowering a student in the classroom is yes right i mean because somebody has a strength there right. you know i i've been in a room where suddenly there was a bat and everybody is <laughs> freaking out and one person jumps up and says oh and she walks over the bat has hit the wall and slid down to the floor <laughs> she walks over and picks the bat up and puts it in her hat or something wow. she had and walks it outside and i'm like wow that's that's a skill i do not have right yeah but, but somebody guess, does have it you know a bat whisperer right yeah but you don't know it if you go running after the bat right no, <laughs> I'm going. To, I'm not going close. I'm yeah, right. Yeah, right up. <laughs> My ninth grade English teacher, Alan Miller, told me why he appreciates students that are not afraid to be afraid of the bee. You got to figure out who's going to do what when you have a bee. <laughs> Some people just can't be there. If they're not going to be part of doing something to get the bee out or in whatever way they decide, mm -hmm. 
then the folks who who are just going to run around that's just going to excite the bee and that's going to excite their classmates and that's not doing any good for anybody mm -hmm. so i was absolutely fine with some people leaving the room immediately mm -hmm. i want them to have that impulse <laughs> i had uh, i have a good friend who worked at on 9-11 at one of the towers hmm. and he called uh, and the, the company was trying to get him to come in. He was doing computer documentation hmm. and they kept bugging him to come in even though they could see that he was working, you know, on the computers. And so he did, but you know, that day happened and the tower that was hit was not, uh, the tower that he worked in was the second tower that was hit. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget this. He um, called the secretary and he's way up, high up in the building. And she answers the phone and he says uh, to her, he says, well, I'm not coming in. She says, well, that's smart. She says, I'm not coming. She says, I'm getting out of here. She says, do you know that they put over the loudspeaker in the building that the first tower was hit and not this one. And so we should just keep working. Oh my gosh. And she said, so I'm gonna get out of here. Um, so of course the story ends, she never got out of the building. Uh, you know, maybe she shouldn't have answered that phone but that self-preservation instinct is a powerful thing. And you don't want to squash that, even if it looks kind of goofy. I was going to say, I had a very gratifying experience uh, a few years ago when two black male students left a class because their teacher had been making racist comments. Uh -huh. And they weren't my students, but I brought them into my room and I talked with them and I uh, had them write down what they had uh, experienced and heard. I had them identify allies that they could identify in the class. I, I had them call their parents and I talked to their parents and then I brought them to the counselor and to the vice principal. And, you know, some people might not think that that's a really big deal, but I don't trust that people would have made it a big deal had I not invited the parents and gotten them involved already and had I not given them a place to share what had happened to them. And that's happened on a few occasions, but that one I really remember because it was the first time really, even though I'd heard about several incidents with this particular teacher, that it got anywhere. Right, so that, that kind of self-preservation instinct, uh, when it met with the adult who was ready to honor that, um, has an effect. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's, it's, and it's, it's no less significant because it's, there's no gun related to it. Right. You know, that the harm of some, being in a room with people who are 
calling you boy or talking about those people and you people, which is what was happening there. A bee in the classroom is about maintaining presence. It's not about trying to control what a moment is. It's about teaching children to respect fear, to be present in it, to listen to what it has to say about the world, about yourself. A bee visited my class the other day, and a young brother grabbed his writing notebook and smacked that same bee upside the head. My instinct was to chide him, but I didn't see pleasure in his face. I saw reassurance that we were all safer. So I bit my tongue. The bee recovered and tumbled right out the window, and we went right on back to the lesson. Listeners, have I told you lately how beautiful you are? You laugh at my jokes. You listen to me ramble. I feel like you just get me. Or at least this podcast. It means a lot when people say they like the show. It means a lot when they share it with someone else. It means a lot when they come and say, hi, man, that was great. So thanks for all that. Thanks to this week's guests. Ross Gay, Bill Jeter, Alex Pate, and Alan Miller. Thanks to George Almeida for the editing and collaboration. Thanks to Candace Shakur for just being with me. Thanks to my buzzy, beautiful children. Thanks to all the students who helped me through B moments. And thanks again to you, listener. I hope you can join us next time on Be in the Classroom.